Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am going to be talking with neurologist Dr. Kester Ned all about concussion and TBI. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project. And I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. And additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine. You can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. And also, I just want to make sure everybody knows about the upcoming concussion discussions, September 14th through 18th, in conjunction with National Concussion Awareness Day. Be sure you're registered for this free virtual series at concussiondiscussions.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also be sure to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Kester Ned, and Dr. Ned is a board-certified neurologist with subspecialty training in treating concussions and traumatic brain injuries. He received his medical training from the Kansas City University of Medicine and Bioscience and received his postgraduate training in neurology, neurological rehabilitation, and neurotrauma at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. He completed his residency and fellowship at Jackson Memorial Hospital in association with the University of Miami. Later in his career, Dr. Ned served as the medical director of neurological rehabilitation and head of the intermediate head injury program at the Memorial Hospital. He has been on the forefront of issues related to concussions for over 30 years and is involved in the evaluation and treatment of the most complicated cases of patients with this condition. He developed the Brain Hierarchical Evaluation and Treatment Method, BHET, a unique multidimensional approach that considers the hierarchical organization of the brain and how this order is impacted by injury and the recovery process, which he discusses in his new book, Concussion, Traumatic Brain Injury from Head to Tail. He currently serves as the managing partner of Design Neuroscience Center and served as an associate professor, professor of neurology at, and, and as medical director of the sports concussion program at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine until May of 2020. 
So I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ned. Thank you. Nice to be on your really, show. Really excited to have you here and just kind of dig deeper into concussion and TBI. And, you know, maybe we can uh, attack some of the myths and misunderstood components of brain injury. But first, I would love for you to share with our listeners how you came to work in the TBI world, like brought you here. Well, my, <clears throat> excuse me, my interest in neuroscience started at a very early age. <clears throat> excuse me. And I, um, I, after graduating from medical school, where I had an intense interest in neuroscience, um, uh, at the University of Miami, one of the things, one of the things, issues I observed in my training was the relative lack of interest in neuro- by neurologists in brain injury, and uh, the long and the other issue was dealing with the issues of outcomes. Uh, when you look at the long-term issues that people with brain injury face in the world, very few professionals were would, were trained. Uh, to treat those long-term issues. And as a result, there was, I, I observed there was a lot of myths about what brain injury is. Um, and a, a, another point is that even in the research world, when you look at the medical literature, the information provided sometimes were misleading because of the approach that many of our scientists took towards brain injury. In fact, I think that we take a very linear approach to understanding the brain when it's very complex and multidimensional. And so part of my mission, uh, once I got into neuroscience, was to, one, develop some methodologies to better understand how to assess the brain when it's injured, and also how to come up with treatment modalities that were appropriate to uh, patients at all levels. So this is essentially how my start um, and my evolution into the field uh, developed over time. Yeah, you know, and 30 years ago when you got into this, I mean, it was, it's still a mystery now, but it was even more of a mystery back then. And, you know, I, I can only imagine the evolution that you've seen within um, the brain injury world. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned that neurologists didn't have a whole lot of interest in brain injuries. And I, I kind of still get that feeling. Um, I hear it over and over, you know, I mean, I had my own experience going to the neurologist and they really didn't seem to exude any confidence in what I was dealing with. Um, and it's extremely frustrating because, you know, who, who do we typically go to first? You know, that's typically where our doctor will send us is the neurologist because neurologists deal with the brain. Um, so, you know, can you maybe help us identify you know, what we need to look for when we're finding a neurologist, because clearly not all neurologists specialize in brain injury. Well, you know, I always say this, um, uh, traumatic brain injury and concussion is a science looking for a home. Uh, And 
the reason I say this is that when you look at the medical field across the board, the neurosurgeons are particularly interested in the surgical aspects. And once they're done, they're done. The neurologists are interested mostly in stroke and other multiple sclerosis and other disorders. And in our training, very little, most neurologists go through the entire training program and they would see uh, a concussion patient in a consultation, but not so much in a structured clinic. That's changing some. Uh, Some institutions are focused on this. And, And for good reasons, because the nature of brain injury, it's when you think about it, if you look at a person with a spinal cord injury, a stroke, you see a physical disability. You see something that's not right. When you look at a brain injury yeah. patient, in most cases, they, they look like you and I. They walk around. They're, they're, they could talk sometimes, and they, they could experience life, but uh, there's a war going on in their brains and their soul, uh, souls. And so... Um, because of that, we fail as a society to recognize that brain injury is a real disease. And not only that, but if you think about the myth in the legal community that has developed uh, about brain injury, uh, in the employment community, in the workers' compensation community, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, because, again, our world is focused on, on productivity, and so if you're not able to produce at the level that others can, you are pretty much left out. And so uh, I see, I work in that field for so many years, and I just see how people struggle with getting others to believe, um, uh, yes. you know, believe that an injury has occurred. And, and certainly, yes, that, that is the issue with brain injury. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're so right. Like, you know, we can walk and talk most of the time. We might not even have a scratch on us um, from our injury, and yet we're just struggling in inside, you know, like you said, in our brain and our soul. And it's so challenging because, you know, friends and family start to stop believing us after a certain point, and, you know, a lot of doctors stop believing us at a certain point and tell us, you know, it's just in our head or we're just depressed or it's just anxiety. And it's far beyond that. And, you know, I mean, my group has over 10,000 members in it. And, you know, I see the same story over and over and over 10,000 times. And so it's just like, how can we all have the same story? And the neurology world, the, the doctors haven't haven't caught up to that and you know I think it I think it has to start in the education system I think something has to change in med school right I think like there needs to be more training um but what you said about how it needs its own what did you call it it needs its own science it needs its own it's a science that needs its own home and yeah 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 and I think you totally nailed it with that like yeah yeah it plays a science looking for a home. And, again, I mean, we have the physical medicine and rehab docs are now involved. The psychiatrists are involved. Uh, you have the chiropractors involved. You have the optometrists now involved. And, really, you need a – it's not just a neurologist. You need an interdisciplinary approach, yes. physical therapy, neuropsychologists. But even when those uh, areas get involved, the myth gets carried on. That and uh, not uh, and again the, the part of it has to do with 
having better research methodologies to understand the brain. And from my perspective, uh, the reason I came up with the best method is, uh, is to first uh, to help us understand the multidimensional aspects of brain injury, that it's not one dimension. It's not just a sign and symptom. It's not what, just what you see, but you have to look at the time of the, of the subsequent timing, uh, how many injuries the person had before, what parts of the brain, what's the nature of the injury, the mechanism of the injury, what are the physiological processes, what's the prognosis, what's the chance of that person recovering and going back to school or to work. What's the impact that society has on that person with the brain injury or what's the impact the person with the brain injury have on society? Uh, And, you know, part of what is coming home to us now, uh, when you look at the NFL and their recognition after years and years that uh, football is a major cause of brain injury and contact sports, you look at, I mean, when you think of, uh, the military, until the Afghanistan and Iraq war, uh, brain injury and, and concussion was not considered a disease that's a signature of war. You know, for all the wars that we've been through in the world, and uh, when you think about it, 30-plus percent of people that come back from the military have the effects of a concussion. Um, you know, so in our society, we, we don't realize the impact of an injury that you might have in your childhood and how that influences the path that your life could take. And, you know, I have so many in my book, in fact, I talk a lot about stories, stories about my patients and how their injuries were missed and how those injuries impacted the rest of their lives. And uh, early intervention is so critical in many of these cases to be able to help these individuals and help society understand. And you said the word education, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and I really think too, you know, these childhood injuries that are missed. You know, a uh, kid falls off their bike and hits their head on the ground. Um, you know, they they probably get up and shake it off. They might not even tell their parents, right? Um, you know, just such simple things that that they just shake it off. But then, as time goes on and they they um, move through the grades of school. And all of a sudden they're having trouble learning or comprehending. And, you know, nobody thinks to look back at that injury and that perhaps that that's some of the impairment. And so they're treated as having a learning disability, which is vastly different from how you treat a TBI, right? So I really think as as we gain more awareness around these, seemingly mild, you know, bumps and blows to the head of the child, because, I mean, our brain doesn't stop developing until we're, like, roughly 25, Um, so, you know, those impacts as a child are probably way more damaging than we're realizing, but a kid doesn't always understand that something's changed, right, Um, so I think as we get parents and educators and, and, and doctors, you know, just your, your pediatricians, um, you know, if your kid's having trouble in school, you know, well, let's take a look back at this last year. Did they, were you in a car accident? Did they fall off their bike? You know, were they playing football? You know, I just, I think there's so much we can do to have this stuff off sooner. Like you said, early intervention. 
Yeah, and and you could make a whole difference in a child's life if you know because you know when you think about the self-esteem issues that they go through with failure, the brain as it mm-hmm. uh, sits in our heads, it's a very intelligent structure and it compensates in ways that are not sometimes favorable to us. And part of our problem is in in the field of brain injury, we have to learn how the brain behaves at every stage, <clears throat> and that's one of the reasons. You know, um, I wrote this book because it's it's on it considers the hierarchical organization of the brain, from the head to the of the most complex uh, activities to the least complex. And what happens in brain injury is that there's a disruption in this organization, and our clinicians have to understand when disruption occurs, what to what degree the brain becomes disorganized. And then what intervention is necessary at each stage of the injury and the recovery? And that is the approach that we lack in this business. In fact, when you think about the cohort of patients that we see every day in terms of research paradigms, the ability to classify those patients and utilize treatment modalities that are comparative is one of the areas that we lack. You know, when you think about it, when a person gets a brain injury uh, in the acute phase, you can't treat them the same way as when they get into the chronic phase. And many times mm-hmm. the pharmacological, non-pharmacological modalities that we use are just a shotgun approach to a yeah. treatment without a, a full understanding of the evolution of brain injury and recovery uh, over time. And so that is why, one of the reasons why I think the science is so poorly understood and people are afraid to get into it because you know, one of my professors said once, you don't treat what you don't understand. Mm-hmm. But I think if we have a good understanding of, of the natural history of brain injury in terms of its severity, its evolution, uh, the physiology, all of those would point us in a better direction, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. You know, and my listeners have probably heard this story before, but, you know, my neurologist, um, she told me to come back in six months if I wasn't feeling better. And so I did. And by that point, I think I was maybe nine months. And, um, you know, again, she told me, well, there's really nothing we can do. So we just have to give it more time. And then when I went back at 14, 15 months, I was told, well, now it's been a year. So this is the most improved, you know, you're not going to get any better than this. And it was so confusing to me at, you know, nine months, why didn't we do anything? But now at 14 months, we can't do anything because I won't get better. Um, and that, that's when I decided, you know, this neurologist wasn't helping me. And I went out on my own in search of answers. But it's like, you know, people are told that repeatedly in my group, you know. And it's like, how do we combat this? You know, and I get it that it's hard with doctors who are already established and kind of stuck in their rut. Um, but but how do we combat this? You know, it, it's a huge problem in the TBI world. Actually, it's 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 such a significant problem that people don't realize the impact it has on when you look at antisocial behavior in our society. Um, yeah. You know, you go into the prison. You look at 
the amount of people with brain injury, you look at the kids with attention deficits, people with bipolar disorders, patients with phobias, they're scared of getting in crowds, in elevators. You know, uh, people don't understand people with eating disorders. A lot of those have their roots in TBI. Yeah. And the reason is yeah. that in the early stages, the physical effects of TBI are so dramatic. Think about it. <clears throat> Think about it. You you get on an elevator and you get dizzy. You look at you go into a crowd and you feel dizzy. You feel like you want to pass out. You have to sit down. You're not going to go to a mall. You're going to start avoiding. And you start getting anxious because if everything you do, you see double or you, you feel the world moving under you. It's a scary experience. So, of course, you're going to feel panic anytime you get into a place where there is motion. And that's sometimes the origin of phobias and panic attacks with people. So a lot of persons with injury to the brain don't realize the reason why they're having these psychological problems and emotional issues is they have these underlying symptoms that their brains have learned how to protect them from, either through avoidance or introducing Mm -hmm. negative effects. And so by the time you get to nine months, if you didn't treat those physical symptoms, you just have, uh-huh. you have a patient that's with, that's with panic attacks, OCD, uh, because they're feeling secure in these kinds of en- environments. And you, you, here you have a person, a kid that's doing, getting A's in school, and all of a sudden they come back to school and they can't pay attention, they're getting D's. Think about the self-esteem, how their colleagues look at them, their parents and their teachers, how they treat them. I mean, you're human. You're going to feel insecure. You're going to feel, um, you feel about yourself that you have not, that you're not able to achieve. And so, in my opinion, those effects on the human psyche is so tremendous. And unless our society, unless the medical profession, um, and in fact, I would say this: I believe that consumers are the ones writing the story about this. The mothers Uh and fathers, and I'll say the mothers in particular, when you look at the sports world, who has brought this to attention is the mothers of the kids playing football. I mean, the soccer moms, the IC in the University of Miami clinic Mm -hmm. that I was running until recently, and in my own clinic, I see the, the tremendous concerns about contact sports that families have. Because, you know, you have a son or daughter that's doing really good in school. And, of course, sports is important. It's a great form of outlet for humans. But getting injured playing sports is not worth it. So it's, it's, I'm not against sports, Mark, you, because, I mean, I'm, I'm actually athletic myself. But I think it's very important in our society that we do what is necessary to start first with prevention on the first level. And when an injury occurs, you know, we have to do neuroprotection. We have to prevent the injury to the brain from getting the brain from further uh, acquiring injury. And that when the brain is injured, it continues to injure itself as a physiological process. And learning how we could uh, address that issue and the, and the, as a second point. And then the third one is how do we how does how do we find out how the brain adapts and how do we prevent the brain from adapting in ways that are detrimental to us in society. And those are simple steps that we could follow in terms of, you know, understanding the nature of how we treat and evaluate patients. So what advice do you have for somebody listening 
who is, you know, maybe nine months, maybe they're nine years into their recovery, and they just feel they've never gotten the right answers um, or, or the right treatment. You know, what advice do you have for that person? Well, the first is that get in contact with people like you who are advocates for the movement. I think, you know, like you said, education is the first step. Yeah. Having resources available where you could call on doctors who are sensitive to this issue, a therapist. Uh, I mean, shows like yours are so critical to educating the world about brain injury. Uh, and, you know, people want to know that they have help and they could help that they could rely on. Part of the challenge that the brain injured patients have is that they go to an expert and they get disappointed. And they go to another mm-hmm. one and they get disappointed. And pretty soon they give up and they lose hope. Yeah. And they feel that there is yes. no assistance, you know. So I, I find this, that the patients I see, sometimes they see 10, 15, 20 physicians by the time they get to me. And they get put on drugs that are actually detrimental to the health. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. because they go to practitioners who don't understand how the brain works, how the brain recovers. So it's really critical to find and access help. And again, there are, on both sides, there are practitioners who are out there that are making all kinds of claims that holistic or non-holistic that are myths are not appropriate. And there are practitioners on the traditional and medical side who are doing the same thing. So the idea of having a balanced approach to brain injury is what we have to look for. I mean, there is clear clinical research that we must do to understand the nature of the disease in terms of what we treat with. What's the evidence? You know, in in many of the science that's there for many of the neurological diseases, we have definitive ways of treating people that we know are effective. And there are effective ways in treating people with brain injury. The idea is that, as I've pointed out, is to look at the stage of the injury, the severity, all of the multidimensional factors that I already alluded to, critically important at every stage that we understand those issues from a treatment perspective. So those are some of my thoughts on what others could look to should they require assistance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and get yeah, involved in the steel. Yeah, and you know, you were so right about like they've probably seen 20, 30 providers before they get to you. I mean, that's a common story I hear as well. I mean, for me, it wasn't quite that many, but it was still probably like 10, 12 um, who just weren't really doing anything for me. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so challenging when they see that you're able to walk and talk. And I remember in my first meeting with my neurologist when I requested all my notes, um, she had written in my notes that I was dressed nicely and had good hygiene. And I remember giggling because I was wearing the same outfit I'd probably worn for three, four, five days because doing laundry is a huge chore with a brain injury and even just trying to pick out what to wear in the morning can take a lot of energy and I probably hadn't showered in four days as well um so it was interesting what she observed versus what my reality was like she didn't even ask me like when's the last time you showered right like so to just make that assumption I just remember 
just finding that just striking um, reading my notes from her. Um, but Dr. Ned, we are just about out of time. Um, this conversation is flowing by, um, but I would love to just ask if you have some final parting thoughts for our listeners today. Well, sure. I first want to thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak on your radio show. And I encourage you, first of all, to continue with this incredible mission. I mean, this is a life work, I could tell for you. And um, I look forward to uh, working with you and the brain injury community to spread the word. Um, we, we are giving a voice to the mm-hmm. people who have no voice. And I think this mission is a mission of caring, of love, of, uh, of caring for our fellow men. Uh, and it requires a level of sensitivity. And we are fortunate that we're in a position where we can advocate for the needs of people in, this, uh, in the brain injury community. So I look forward to you know, further working with you and your organization and your group in any way to help further the cause. Yeah. yeah. And for your audience, Thank you. I, I, I trust that this was a positive, um, uplifting experience for them. So thank you so much for the, the time that you took, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate that. And just so anyone um, looking to find you, Dr. Ned, um, your website is concussion. TBI.com. And again, your book is, sorry, I just lost it. What is the name of your book? It's Concussion, Concussion oh, traumatic, traumatic Brain, brain injury, injury from Head to Tail. Yeah. From Head to Tail, it's on Amazon also. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, many outlets you could get it in terms of um, the so, uh, online. Um, but uh, uh, Amazon is the best way to get it. Perfect. And I do, I have the link to the Amazon and to your website in the show notes. So anybody looking for that can just look to the show notes. And again, just thank you for being here today, Dr. Ned. I I also look forward to collaborating with you more in the future as well. Absolutely. And thank you. And you have a splendid day. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just another thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And just another reminder, you can find previous podcast episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or else you can go to facesoftbi.com to find those past episodes. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And don't forget to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook and get registered for concussiondiscussions.com. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next